Welcome to another episode of Let's Chat With. Joining me is magician, TEDx speaker, and writer Rosemary Reed. How are you doing today? I'm so good. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. So how did you get started in magic and how old were you? I was about 11 or 12 and I had a dream about it. And then I woke up the next day and said I wanted to learn some magic. My dad gave me an old book that he'd had when he was young. It was a little too hard for me to understand. Uh, so he, we went to Toys R Us and got one of those box sets of magic. Um, I learned everything in there and would put on shows for my sister in the basement. And then not long after that, we learned about Sorcerer Safari Magic Camp and basically the rest is history. Do you remember the first trick or illusion that you performed? Would have been something from that box set. I One, one of those box set magic tricks. I don't remember. I mean, we had the magic cornucopia. There, there, was a, there were a couple classics in there. The report card trick with the letters changing from ABCD to report card. There were a few little kid classics in there. For those who don't know, you are from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. What do you think of the magic scene that Toronto has? Oh, yeah, I think uh, there's there's lots of work to go around, which is great if you're a professional magician. I've had a really wonderful time performing here. So, yeah. You posted a video on YouTube called Female Magicians Who Weren't There More. Can you tell me about the video? Why did you make it? And what do you hope people take away from it when you when they watch it? Yeah, that was um, one of my most favorite projects, one of the biggest ones I'd worked on at, up at, at that point. And, you know, I've been a professional magician for 15, 20 years now, and at that time, about 15 years. And one of the questions I received most often is why aren't there more female magicians? And, you know, so I had plenty of years to meditate on the answer and answer different, different angles of the question. And I just thought, why not make a, everyone's asking me, why not make a video that can really have a chance to provide um, a whole picture? I mean, people will ask me at gigs, but at gigs I'm working. I don't have time to get into all of it. And it's not necessarily a simple answer. So I wanted to make that so that I had some, something I could point people to, to say, if you really want to know more, then you can go, you can go here and you can check out this video. What do you think about shows like Penn and Teller Fool Us, Masters of Illusion, having more women on their stages? And also, Pendulette uh, also said that the future of magic will be a woman. Well, I think that I'm doing everything I can to encourage uh, more girls and women to take up magic. That's actually what I spent most of uh, COVID doing. Obviously, COVID threw us all for a loop. And for me personally, it was a really rough 2020. Um, and so I was really excited when this, this new project that's about to launch came to be because it gave me a direction and a focus and really a purpose uh, to get me through that pandemic. So I, I'd have to say I would agree. Do you hope that to be one on one of those shows? Um, I'm open to it. It's not like a, a huge goal of mine, but uh, I think they're wonderful. I think they're doing, especially Penn and Teller's Fool Us has done wonderful things for magic, the way that they portray magicians and the way that they uh, even bring magicians out, the way they manage magicians. I've had the chance to to see on the stage and be backstage and, you know, they're really kind and just wonderful people. So on Kickstarter, you have created a project called the Sisterhood Deck of Playing Cards. In the description yeah. of, of the deck, you, there is an interesting question. Can the deck of cards change the world is that question. Why do you think that? Can a deck of cards like the Sisterhood ones change the world? Well, we're about to find out, David. Let's hope. So I actually did this, this survey over COVID of all of the female magicians in the world that I could find on Google. And there were 561 that I managed to get onto a list. And out of those 561, all of them received personal contact for me anywhere from one to three 
times because I wanted to have as many folks participate as possible. So there were 230 participants, which is an incredibly statistically relevant number. We crafted this survey, which was a whole project on its own. We got people through the survey, taking the survey, and then the results were analyzed by a wonderful woman who works at the BBC and in Insights Ad Ops and Planning to make the data that we found into, like to turn it into statistics that we could speak about because I'm not a numbers person myself. So I really needed some help with that. And once Yen came back with those statistics, I realized that, you know, this, this project was important and that those numbers needed to get out into the magic community and even into the world at large, because a lot of the numbers that we found were, are the same in other industries that are male dominated, which just goes to show like what I, I've said for many years, that magic is a microcosm. You know, I began brainstorming what would be the best way to get this information into the hands of magicians and get the magic world talking about it. And I mean, what better way could there be than a deck of cards? This deck of cards sort of came, came about into being, uh, and all of the court cards on this deck here, I'll show you, I'll show you the deck here, sisterhood. This one's a little worn. We're waiting on our, our shipment to come through. These were the example decks and all of the court cards are women. Uh, they still maintain their JQK because we wanted magicians to be able to use them really easily and for card games and all of that. But they all represent issues that women face around the world that trickle down to women in magic. And in addition to that, each of the court cards is connected to one of the statistics from our survey. That's one of my favorite. The Kid Magician Queen. They all have their own uh, nickname, which is fun. And um, and the deck of cards is designed in Canada, which is really cool. The uh, box and Ace of Hearts and the back design is from a renowned playing card designer named Brendan Hong. And all of these court cards and our jokers um, were designed, are designed by a woman named Caitlin Coppathorn, who is based in Alberta. So it's very cool that it, we weren't necessarily looking for Canadian designers, but it's really wonderful that it worked out that way. And I've just gotten home from the 52 plus Joker playing card convention in Pittsburgh, where I debuted the deck. So it's very exciting to have met other players in the custom playing card industry and get them excited for the release. Um, it'll be my first Kickstarter campaign. So it's a, uh, it's, it's very exciting, uh, an exciting time over here for me. More exciting adventures like this in the future? Hopefully. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see how the release, let's see how this Kickstarter goes and how the release of this one goes. But yeah, the plan is to, I've established Sisterhood Playing Card Company. That's the name of our company. This is our inaugural deck. And uh, let's see, here's the bottom of the tuck. And hopefully this is uh, the beginning of something really special. And is there going to be a difference between the red and the blue deck? So in most cases, when you have a different colorway, it's only the back and the box that changes. Um, in this case, and I'll get one of each so that I can show you here, it's a full custom colorway, which means that all of the accent pieces, for example, here's the Ace of Hearts. So all of the accents, like this one is the blue and silver, and this one is the red and gold. And you can see how we have blue here and gold here. And that's the same all the way through. Uh, the accent pieces are colored all the way through, which is 
Um, not always how it's done in custom playing cards. So that's really exciting. Also, you did a TEDx talk called Magic Isn't Real and Other Lies That We Tell Ourselves. What was it like speaking at a TEDx event? How did you come involved with TEDx? And what was the main message you were trying to get across? Yeah, that TEDx talk was the most nervous I'd ever been for anything, I think. I was really pleased with how it went. Uh, it, was a, it was a lot to memorize. It was sort of a spoken word piece. And I just remember being incredibly incredibly nervous, more nervous than for any show or audition I'd done in the past. I wanted to communicate that I wanted to really inspire wonder in the universe at large. It definitely has a low-key feminist angle. I mentioned some uh, women inventors who've, who've gone unnoticed uh, or underappreciated. And it, I really wanted it to be inspirational and help to lift people up. So, and you never really know, that's, that's a bit of a lofty goal. So I tried to just speak from the heart and speak to what I knew. And so it's been really fun to have friends and, and acquaintances, acquaintances message me even years later being like, you know, I was feeling really down today and I watched your talk and it really helped pick me back up. When I hear that, I'm, I'm, it's so fulfilling for me. Like I just can't, I'm kind of like, wow, something I created and brought into the world has helped another person to feel better. And for me, that's incredible. Actor can also be added to your resume. In Washburn Union's music video, She Gets Me, uh -huh. your magic skills were given a chance to flourish. How did you get approached to be in the video? What was it like to uh, film it? Did you know the other magician beforehand or did you just meet for the first time on set? Yeah, wow. Uh, that was such a fun music video to film. It was filmed here and on in just outside of, well, just in Toronto, really, in a place called Scarborough. And we actually shot that overnight. So we started at 7 p.m. and went until 7 a.m. because that's when we could guarantee nobody would be in that diner. And it was super fun. The guys from Washboard Union were incredibly kind and and just really cool to work with. Same with same with the whole crew. I didn't know Aaron Matthews beforehand. That was my co-star, though he is a GTA performer and we've since kept in touch. Uh, I might have known his name before, but we hadn't had the chance to actually meet in person. So that was really cool. It was a very collaborative process because when if you're a magician and you work on uh tv shows or movies that where, where magic is sort of an accent it's not the main the whole main thing people are pretty aware that the magicians might know the best ways to showcase the magic or know the best angles or have some ideas that could that they could contribute so it ended up being pretty collaborative which is always really nice because it gives you more time to get to know your co-star co in my case Aaron and it just allows for a an overall better product because you have more lines on it than just one person saying, this is what we want, do this, do that, and then that's it. Have you heard of them before the video or anything like that? I'd heard them on the radio a few times, but I've, I've definitely listened to them more since since the video and certainly my that is I think that's one of my family's favorite projects that I've worked on my nephews very cutely memorized they were very little like five then and memorized all the words and found it very magical so it was a really that was a fun project and then actually the next day I was working in an event and um at the steam whistle brewery for a it was like a country theme so it was very funny to go from shooting that music video and then the next night going to a corporate event that was you know cowboy hats and very country themed it was uh, a fun 48 hours so were you and Aaron allowed to do it your own thing or were they asking for certain things uh no we 
brought we brought a lot of options with us and we brainstormed a bit before the camera started rolling and then and we kind of just talked through like what they wanted it to look like the the points where they wanted magic and also what they wanted the storyline to be and then we were kind of free to like we I remember we showed them a few different things and they probably they, they chose what they thought would go best and then we would try shooting it. We didn't have all the time in the world. It was just a 12 hour. We wanted, we're doing it all in one day. So once we'd chosen something, we went with that and did the best we could with, within the parameters we had. And I think it turned out pretty well. Would you recommend to do that in real life? Pick up people? You know, no, probably not. Probably not. I think something should stick to music videos and uh, everyone needs to work to their own strengths when they're looking to pick people up, I suppose. You're a writer for 52 plus Joker playing cards, magazine who is 52 plus joker playing cards magazine club magazine how'd you get involved with them what do you write yeah so 52 plus joker is the world's largest playing card collectors club north american based and they're the convention I was just at in Pittsburgh. And every month they release a magazine called Card Culture. In Card Culture, I write a column called The Real Deal. So I write about figures in the playing card industry who have gone unnoticed or underappreciated. They've all been women so far, though I'm probably gonna be pivoting uh, into other members of the community um, who fit the bill. I, so that's what I write about. And I've written about people who are alive. I write about designers, producers, people who have passed away who may Made large contributions to the playing card industry. It's been a lot of fun to learn about these people and bring their contributions to light because it really just helps, you know, in general, women's history hasn't been written about nearly as much as men's history, which we just call history. So it's super fun to fill in some gaps and to imagine that maybe one day in 10 or 20 years, my articles will be used as references for future articles and further research. Finally, where can people find more about you? and the playing cards, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, website. Throw this up here. You can scan this QR code and you should be able to do that right through the screen. And that will take you to the Kickstarter page where depending on when you see this, you can either back the project, which would be incredible, or you can just hit notify me and follow the prompts and that will help the algorithms really work in my favor. We plan to launch once that notify me number gets well up into the hundreds. You can Google Sisterhood Playing Cards to find it as well if you don't have a catch that QR code. And then you can also go to rosemaryreid.com. If you Google Toronto Female Magician, you should find me uh, at the top of that search as well. Well, thank you, Rosemary, for joining me on this episode of Let's Chat With. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, David.